one thing people don't talk about is you meet a lot of filmmakers who are at your level who are really awesome mm -hmm. and you're all kind of going through the mm -hmm. same stage and you can really learn a lot in that way and you stay in contact with them right. post festival and you kind of see where they're going. Hi, I'm Leslie Lepage. I'm the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for everyone who wants to learn uh, how to make films and media and content for the entertainment industry and learning the dirty little secrets of Hollywood. Today, I am super happy to have an emerging filmmaker on the podcast. Her name is Carolyn Friend. She's amazing. She's an SC grad, uh, but she's had some really fabulous experiences with this film that she is currently promoting but let's kind of figure out you know where she started from carolyn welcome to best and fest thank you so much for having me this is great you're actually calling in from a con which we're going to circle back and we're going to talk about why you're there <laughs> <laughs> which frankly i wish i was there i mean of all the places <laughs> in all the gin joints in the world of calling in from con is you know the higher class of the gin joints <laughs> Oh yeah, not a bad place um, to be. I got here today, and it is it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I bet it's uber beautiful. Oh my gosh! In fact, um, it was many many years when I've been there. I used to go there all the time, and then I had child, um, so that kind of stopped my con adventures. Right, right. Um, you got into filmmaking. What what was your initial bug? When did it bite you? Did that bite you in middle school, high school? When did that? <laughs> That's really, really early on, which is funny because I grew up not in L.A. I did not grow up in an area where the film industry is super prevalent. But I just remember from the youngest age, always wanting a camera and always asking my mom to use the family camcorder. And I really was making movies. I, I have home videos from when I was seven. So it's just, it's really funny. It's, it's really been since then. And as time went on, my films got a little bit better, you know, throughout middle school and then to high school. And then I went to undergrad at USC and that's when things really took off for me. And I just, I've been living in, an, in LA ever since and making movies. What film stands out of all your travels of films you've seen that really mm. was the kernel to feed that like when i was a kid i was a huge dracula fan so a uh, <laughs> creature of the black lagoon dracula i mean that's what i was like i'm gonna make i'm gonna make these creature feature horror movies this is cool what oh, yeah. was the one that stood out to you well there's i feel like I have so many from different stages in my life, but I remember mm -hmm. in as we all early, do. as we all do, you know, things change, but I, one movie that still mm -hmm. to this day, I watch it and I love is in early middle school, Pirates of the Caribbean came out and mm -hmm. I just loved that movie so much. I love when movies transport you to a different time and place and you're just on a crazy adventure and that's what Pirates of the Caribbean always was and still is to me and um yeah, I just ever since then I've really been like, well, I'm going I'm going to do it. And you know, Pirates of the Caribbean another interesting thing about that movie is it had amazing behind the scenes on the DVDs and that's when I was like, wow, there's a whole industry behind making these movies. And 
it's more than just one person. It's a whole team of people making the props and the costumes and the camera and the lighting. So that really hit it off for me. That's good. Pirates of the Caribbean was amazing. Too bad he's having some issues now in a trial against the oh, X. Yes. But you know, we won't of go course, down. Yeah. We won't go down that path. Uh, that's different podcast for another time. <laughs> so, when of all the film schools out there, um, and since you weren't based in in LA, yeah, what inspired you to pick? You know, SC uh, as opposed to, you know, New York Film School or Florida, which is really amazing yeah. filmmakers coming out of Florida. Was this your first choice? You can come on. You can you can talk to us. Was this your first choice? <laughs> it's, it is. It's also kind of a crazy story in that I again, I did not grow up surrounded by the industry. I grew up mostly in Colorado. So no one I knew had gone to USC. I really didn't know anything about film programs or film school Actually, my main plan, I guess you could call it, when I was a senior in high school was to study history on the East Coast because I've always liked mm-hmm. history. So I actually applied to exclusively East Coast schools, but I had always had this dream of making movies. And no joke, last minute, three days before the application was due at USC, I just thought, I'll just put in one application to USC. It was the only film school I knew about. I I didn't look up much about it. I just looked up the application and I put it together over the weekend and I got it in and literally by a miracle, (laughs) I, it was the first place I got into and um, they brought me out for a scholarship interview. And that's when I fell in love with it. I just, I couldn't believe there was a place with sound stages and, you know, equipment and editing supplies and teachers and posters with films up. I had never seen anything like it before. And I ended up turning everything down on the East Coast and just packing my bags and moving to LA. And so did you ever, did you get uh, other uh, invitations from other East Coast schools that you just had to reject politely? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I got into a couple schools on the East Coast, but it, none of them for film. So it was mm-hmm. just, it was kind of a big choice I made. It was probably, you know, the first big choice you make into, you know, going into adulthood is where what you do after high school. And I just was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go and study film, even though I, I didn't know at the time if it was going to work out or not, but Mm -hmm. it ended up being a great choice for me. And as soon as I got to LA, I really just, I just loved being in a, in a community where other people love movies and want to make them and talk about them. And that Mm -hmm. still continues to inspire me. And I, I, I have great, friends and colleagues from that time that still pushed me forward in my career. That's good. What was the first short um, mm-hmm. that you produced that you en- and, and filmmaked uh, that mm-hmm. ended up going into the festival circuit? And I know that you had personally applied a couple of times to Sundance before actually going down that path. But, but let's talk about the precursor to that. Oh, yes. So, you know, the, the film that I currently have on the festival circuit is really the first film I really went after the festival circuit with, but that's not to say I didn't make a lot of films prior to this one. One of my first films I made at USC, um, and I, I've always been very ambitious with my film ideas. Some people think, oh, I'll just film a little something in my dorm room. That was never me. I always, mm-hmm. even when I was young, I was like, I want to make a period film. I want to have adventure and excitement or just 
you know, do something interesting. So one of the first films I made, I was a sophomore at USC and I wanted to make a World War One movie and I had a budget of about three hundred dollars and <laughs> it was very ex- interesting. But, you know, sometimes when you have a crazy idea, people kind of right. want to help and pitch in. And so I ended up having an amazing team of probably about a dozen students and we tra- we built a wall of a trench, a World War One trench, out of cardboard and paper mache dirt onto it. And then we brought right. it into one of the sound stages at USC, and we filmed the short film over a day. And it was an it was a great learning experience. And a lot of those collaborators I had with me on that team, we ended up continuing to make things together. And that's you know, that's the main core team I have with me still to this day with Under Darkness, my current short film. So mm-hmm. it's funny because I look back and I think, wow, I mean, that was a pretty crazy idea. But those little experiences really helped get me to where I am now and helped get me to learn how to navigate just, you know, approaching filmmaking. What was or who was your, I guess, pivotal person that navigated you into that more professional <laughs> level of filmmaking? I I don't think there really is one person. And still to this day, I really consider myself to be someone who's learning. I really hope that even 30, 40 years down the line, I still consider myself that I'm still a work in progress. I'm still have so much to learn about mm-hmm. filmmaking and, you know, what I want to say as an artist Um, I really, yeah, I I can't say that there's one person. I'm trying to think if, you know, yeah, I I don't even know. There's just been so many different experiences. I made that, I made that World War One movie. I ended up making uh, a movie set in the 1950s and a Civil War movie also during my time at USC and each of those. Well, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about those. Yeah, let's talk about Mm -hmm. those because you went from World War II to 50s. Oh, World War One, yes. Sorry, World War One to to fifties, mm-hmm. and then you went, uh-huh. you know, further into Civil that war. A different, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. different genre. So yeah. let's talk about where those came from. How'd you pull those off? So all my ideas, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier. I, I'm a huge history buff. I love history. I love reading about the past, especially finding what are called primary sources, which are letters and photographs and newspaper articles and things from the actual time period and kind of doing my own research. So a lot of my ideas come from me just poking around the internet or reading a nonfiction book or just having an interest in some era in history and really finding something that I want to bring to life uh, from that, Mm -hmm. from that period. So for the 1950s movie, that was my junior thesis film at USC. And I was just for that one inspired by the locations around USC campus, because a lot of the buildings there are from that time period. And I thought, wow, this Mm -hmm. is, and a lot of with, with student films, you kind of have to work with what you got. So, you know, you're kind of wandering, I was wandering around and I was thinking, wow, what can I, what can I make here that would be visually interesting and really, you know, be an, you know, an interesting thing for audiences to see. And I just came up with this idea to set something in the 1950s high school. Um, and then the civil war movie, I actually got a small grant from the USC history department because I was conducting some independent research on women during the civil war. And I found this really Mm -hmm. interesting diary of a woman in Kentucky 
who was in this, you know, in this middle section right in between the 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 Union and the South, and um, and that was kind of the genesis of that movie. So, yeah, I mean, two very different things, but and again, these movies were all under a thousand dollars. They're very very right. small, very small. Right. So, very scrappy productions. Well, speaking of scrappy productions, so mm-hmm. from that point, you then mm-hmm. went into your, you know, next short, and, yeah. and that's the one uh, that you had submitted to Sundance. Yes. So it, it, you're talking about Under Darkness, my current film, most likely. Um, current film. So, mm-hmm. so this film has been such an amazing journey for me. I it started in a very similar way to all my other films in that I, I found something that I thought was super interesting from the past. And I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. I need to make this into a movie. Um, But this was a different, this was a bigger idea than I've ever had before. And um, Mm -hmm. basically how it all started was I found this incredible photograph of this woman dressed in an, uh, this iconic leopard print coat in the winter of Eastern Europe during World War II, and she's pointing a rifle. And the caption under mm-hmm. the photograph just said, and this is, you know, a self-portrait taken by Faye Shulman. So this was a photograph that mm-hmm. a woman took her of herself in the in the middle of a war zone. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, there is mm-hmm. so much here, and I need to learn more about it. So <laughs> I need to learn more about her. There wasn't too much online about her, but I did a lot of research and what I found was just super interesting. She was a Jewish partisan uh, fighter and she joined the Soviet army and basically helped break down supply chains and attack in kind of a guerrilla warfare way against the Nazis and fought back against Mm -hmm. these people who had, you know, killed many people in her community and her family and had taken over her whole area. And anyway, so I found this amazing story and I knew I just wanted, I was like, I, I need to explore more. I would love to make this into a film. And it was, it's been a multi-year journey as I'm sure you, you hear mm-hmm. everyone say when you talk to people on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so grateful. I got an amazing grant from a organization called the Alfred P Sloan foundation they fund mm-hmm. films about science. Have you have you heard of them before? I have, but you know, talk about it because a lot of people who are yes. listening in may not be aware of them. So, so yeah, so I mean, they're a great organization. I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this and just people I talk to are are always wondering, well, how do you get money for movies? And it is tough. You, the the way I've done it in the past is I've applied for grants and. This specific specific grant funds movies that take place or that that center on science in an interesting way, in a way that maybe people don't normally think of science in film. Like it's not supposed to be a middle-aged man in a lab coat with a test tube. It's supposed to be some other aspect of science. And for my movie, uh, my lead character, Faye, develops her own chemicals to preserve the photographs. And that's all based mm-hmm. on on real fact, and it's a super interesting aspect of her story. And so, a lot of my movie centers around the you know the the process of her photographs and what they mean to her, but also like how she actually was able to take them and preserve them. 
So I got this, this grant from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, and it was in association with the USC Film School, where I was at the time. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so that gave me the means to make the movie. And it, it was a, a different movie than I've ever had, because I had about $20,000 to make it with, which... Mm is a big step up from where I was before, but all those little thousand dollar movies I was talking about earlier really helped prepare me for Cause it's still $20,000. People didn't think I could pull off the period film, but I knew I could because I'd done other things for way less. So it was right. Really just a combination of having a great team doing a lot of research and knowing what I wanted to say with the story. And that's how it all came together. Mm -hmm. For those that, you know, obviously haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. what was the point of view? What was the hook that you were really going for? The the chemical-based preservation was obviously yeah. a, a leading element, mm-hmm. yeah, in the story. But also from the backdrop you were using, how did you incorporate that? So, you know, the people watching it walk away going, wow, I, I can't believe that you know, she did this in this time frame. Yeah, it was so challenging because I, this had to be a short film. I didn't have millions of dollars. So it was really hard because the, the true story is very expansive. Faye lived an incredible life and she spent many years in World War II and prior to World War II enduring a lot of hardship and surviving a lot. And there were many Mm -hmm. different elements of her story that I wanted to include, but ultimately couldn't because one thing I've learned as a short filmmaker is you really have to hone in on one theme and one main purpose. So, Mm -hmm. and it it was a hard thing to figure out, but I, I was, I'm, I was so lucky in that Faye was alive a couple years ago, um, she re- she recently passed last year at the age of 101. But um, she lived wow. a, a very fulfilled life. Yes, <laughs> long life. Um, but at at the time when I was in development of this project, I met her. She was, I think, 98 years old at the time, and oh that conversation informed a lot of what I wanted to say because she really mm-hmm. told me a lot of, you know, how she rationalizes everything that happened to her and, and how she moved forward. And she was showing me the photographs she took that are basically just in like family photo albums, but they're of mm-hmm. her fighting in world war two and of her, uh, you know, her, the soldiers she fought alongside and just very intense photographs. And she's just showing to them to me, like they're just her memories. And I, it was really just from that conversation with her um, Hmm. and through thinking through like everything I was working with and the Sloan Foundation that I really came to the conclusion that this film would be centered around how photographs serve as both a memory and a record for the future Mm -hmm. and how, you know, Faye's Mm -hmm. memories live on through her photographs the record of what she experienced, which is so important for future generations is there. And that's really the main focus and theme behind Ender Darkness. And it's really the journey of Faye 
figuring out that, wow, I have power in this, in this camera and I'm going to use that and I'm going to preserve these photographs. And she does. And Mm -hmm. hundreds of them still exist to this day. So yeah, it's really an amazing story. So now you're at Sundance, right? And you've also gotten the Horizon Award there, and Mm -hmm. you've also been recognized by the Directors Guild. Talk about what that experience was, uh, taking this, you know, and getting this award at at Sundance. It was so amazing, especially because as a filmmaker, I worked so hard on this movie for a very long time, and I was... I couldn't tell if it was any good or if anyone was ever going to see it. I was really just trying to make the best movie possible for Faye because I felt this great responsibility Mm -hmm. to make it the best it could possibly be. Um, Because here's this real person relying on you. You know, it was a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the journey and when I finally hit export on the, on the movie, I really, I really had no idea if it was any good. I mean that very genuinely. Like I just had been so close to it for so long and it was, I I just didn't know where, where it would go, but I did know that the family Mm -hmm. loved the movie face family. And that meant so much to me. And I thought, you know, whatever else happens happens. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I, as with all other films, you kind of just, apply to things and you just see where it lands. Um, and it's funny. I was actually, I was in my cubicle at work. Um, I work as an assistant. I have a day job as, as an assistant, mm-hmm. as I have for, for a couple of years now in the entertainment industry. And I was just sitting there and I, it, I got a call and it was Sundance telling me that I got in, um, and that I got the invite and I just could not believe it. I mean, it just seems like these opportunities just fall out of the sky. So really, I mean, I'm just super grateful for it. I really credit it back to Faye and her incredible story. Mm-hmm. And I just think it really touches people. And, and yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it's been great. And it's been also a learning experience. Sundance was the first film festival I really went to. And I was just wide eyes the whole time. <laughs> I was really excited to be there. <laughs> and uh, we went to Telluride a couple months after that, which was also super incredible. Um, and now I'm at mm-hmm. Cannes, and I just feel like I finally know a little bit better about how to navigate these festivals and how to come in with a plan. Um, and so, yeah, I just it's <laughs> it's been stepping stones all along the way. Well, you know, let's talk about that because that's that's mm-hmm. a big mistake that a lot of young filmmakers don't do. They come to the festival and they, they're very wide-eyed and they're like, you know, I'm here and I'm super excited and this and this awesome, but they don't really know how to navigate. Now you've oh, been yes. at three big festivals mm-hmm. and so only upon really your third have you now, you know, got a game plan happening. I could definitely envision going, oh, okay, well, this is how I would spin it. This is this is how I would advise her to have a game plan. But but talk about what your game plan is, what your mm-hmm. learning curve was, and what advice mm-hmm. in game plan structure you can give to those listening in. Yeah, this is really good. I mean, I look back and I, I don't see it as a mistake at all in how I approached the former festivals because... I feel like I needed that as a growth opportunity to really hone in on 
what I'm supposed to be doing there. Because unless, again, I think you grew up in this industry or you you have an, an incredible mentor or, or someone that can really lay it out for you, you really have to figure it out mm-hmm. on your own time. And you really have to give mm-hmm. yourself grace in that. Um, and I mean, even though I didn't sell my first feature at Sundance or get an agent at Telluride, it, they were important in that I, I still met people and I saw what the other filmmakers were doing. And I met a lot of people. One thing people don't talk about is you meet a lot of filmmakers who are at your level who are really awesome. Mm -hmm. And you're all kind of going through the Mm -hmm. same stage and you can really learn a lot in that way. And you stay in contact with them post festival and you kind of see where they're going. So Mm -hmm. I made a lot of contacts those early festivals, but now what I've really learned is you really need to go into a festival with your future plan in place because people yes, that you meet absolutely. with who who are who you want who maybe want, will partner with you on something the the your short film is just an entry point it's just an open door and it's really up to you to have something mm-hmm. worthwhile to step into the room for um, and. Right. But I do want to emphasize, you know, some people just aren't ready for that. I wasn't ready for it when I first got into Sundance. I was really recent college mm-hmm. grad, very young, um, and mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have that feature. I was super passionate about making yet, and now it's been a couple years, and I and I have that. I COVID was was hard, but in many ways, I was able to write a lot. So I, I have a lot of projects that I'm coming into can really ready to talk about. Um, Pre-can, I just reached out to all my networks saying I was going, asking if anyone was going to be there. Um, I think festivals are great because everyone is excited to talk about movies and and mm-hmm. you can really capitalize on that and meet a lot of people and just network, network, network. <laughs> um, right. The other thing is the marketing aspect of the film Mm -hmm. when I first was there I was like no one's really gonna you know I was so nervous I was like no one's really gonna care about my film and I just shouldn't really be talking about my screening and that's the worst thing you can possibly do I mean if you're not excited about your screening and not confident in what you made no one one else will be yes exactly and it's okay and I'm just not a natural salesperson publicist for, for myself. It's not something I'm very naturally comfortable about, but it's so important that you're, you're proud of your work and that you, people are excited when you're excited. So coming into right. can now I have marketing materials. I have a website. I'm ready to talk about the short film with whoever my screening is not the best time. It's Monday at 9am. But I am proudly mm-hmm. inviting everyone I know to the screening because that's why I'm here. You know, if if you can make it, I mm-hmm. hope to see you. And this is what I have. Um, and I think there is something really special about watching a movie with an audience. So it's the best way to see a movie. So anyway, I've learned a lot. Um, it's great well, to be here at Cannes now. So let me speak about that. You know, you said it's not the best time. That's a point of view shift. And everyone listening in on the podcast, you have to understand there is no good time and no bad time. It's just time. And (laughs) Blair Witch, Blair Witch screened at Sundance at 10 a.m. 
and it was screened for no one. There was ICM, CAA, William Morris, Endeavor, and we were all in little pods there, and there was no other audience. But Blair oh Witch gosh. became Blair Witch. And that was a 10 a.m. screening on a Saturday. All after right. everyone well, had been uh, partaking of the experience of that festival. Totally. <laughs> so, 9 a.m. on a Monday... It ain't bad. It's what you make of it. <laughs> you know what? Exactly. And, you know, that's, it is what it is. I'm just happy to have the screening time. And who knows, you know, it's, I'm not competing with a whole lot at that time. So there's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. There is that. And that's awesome. Yep. You know, yep. and the professionals who attend festivals, we're used to seeing 9 a.m. screenings and 10 a.m. screenings. And, you know, it doesn't phase us just because it's, right. it's an early morning screening or a late, right. you know, evening screening or anything in between. Yeah. The other thing I always um, uh, uh, is suggest is, do you have the feature for this short at this time? Is that what you're kind of uh, yes. maybe talking I, about? Oh, yes. <laughs> is that part of your hint, 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 your plan? <laughs> <laughs> it sure is, yeah. So I am so passionate about this story. There's so much more I want to say about Faye Shulman, and there's just so much more to share. So, yes, I am developing the feature of Under Darkness, and it's it is the first festival where I really have that set in stone and a little bit more of a plan, a couple producers on board. So we're really coming in with the strategy of networking as much as possible and really just trying to see if we can get some, you know, producing interest or production companies or even just getting the word out there and then maybe bringing those contacts back to LA. That's really a big, a big part mm-hmm. of our strategy with the festival. That's a great strategy. And, and uh, essentially, for those that are listening in, what she's talking about is she didn't start off utilizing the short as a proof of concept for a long mm-hmm. form, but inevitably through her travels, she got the idea from the enthusiasm and uh, awards she accumulated on the way that this could be utilized as a uh, proof of concept for a long form. And that's really the strategies she's also talking about for everyone that's listening in. What is your advice for young filmmakers still in film school, just mm-hmm. coming out of film school? Because you're you're fresh and you have a different perspective than maybe somebody who's been in the industry for 10, 20, 15 years. Yeah, that's right. You share that. Yeah, with us. I definitely do consider myself. I I still, you know, I still have a long way to go, and I I am more on the emerging side. But I mean, I would say the best thing you can do the first years out of film school is still to approach the your time as a learning experience, and not thinking that you have the learning behind you because. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. You know, I've actually taken different screenwriting courses, staying in contact with film peers and continuing with writers groups or different, you know, film kind of just encouraging each other in personal work. And a big thing that people don't talk about is finding a survival job. It's extremely important to have that financial Mm -hmm. stability. So then you have the means Mm -hmm. to even be an artist. And for me, 
it took a while to figure out where in the industry I really wanted to land. And it did take a few Mm -hmm. years. And I think it kind of also lines up with where I am now and that I love my job. I have good stability and it wasn't always like that. And that, and that, that is hard. So you do have to give yourself some time to just figure out life and then also film, if that makes sense. Um, but just, right. just keep making things totally. right as much as possible. Don't feel like your things have to be perfect or professional. Just, just keep trying because nothing is going to be great right away. <laughs> kind of, it just mm-hmm. takes a lot of time mm-hmm. to work through things, but I don't know. I was really nervous about graduating film school, but it's been, it's been really great. I, I, I feel like it's, you know, the journey has just continued and, um, there's nothing to be scared of. You just have to keep working really hard, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it's, um, it's a tough industry to survive and prosper mm-hmm. in for those listening in, you know, that survival job she mentioned is uber mm-hmm. important. You know, you have to make a decision. Do you want to be flipping burgers and uh, creating your art or do you want to be you know in the industry in some capacity at least you're in the industry learning maybe something different than what your passion is but at least you're in the industry in that survival job which i find is much more important than you know picking something that's completely outside of the vein of the industry last question what's a dirty little secret that you've learned in your time out of or in film school that you want to share let me think about that for a second because i'm sure i have some some little good nugget of wisdom to to impart (laughs) i don't even know if this is like a good or not but the biggest thing i've learned over the past few years is i when i first graduated i just thought so intimidating the people in power were just so intimidating i didn't know you know places like CAA or Netflix, Fox TV, or or any of these places, I just thought, wow, I could never, I wouldn't know what to say to these people. I wouldn't know how to approach them. I don't know. I'm not anyone important. And what you learn as time goes on is that everyone is just a person industry. And a lot of people don't even really know what's going on, even when they're working at these places. So it's just great to just put yourself out there, meet as many people as possible and have the confidence in yourself you can make it in the industry because that's really all it takes. Belief and confidence in yourself goes a long way. And I think that is uh, very important when you're trying to pitch creative ideas because people love to put you down. And you have to have enough of a backbone to stand up for what you believe in and to show your passion. Don't be afraid of showing your passion. Uh, I want to thank uh, Carolyn Friend for joining us. Shout out your socials for people that want to come in and tap in and find you. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Caro Friend Film and on Twitter at Caro underscore friend. And yeah, I'd love to connect. Awesome. Connect with her. Connect with us. Don't forget to rate us, download, subscribe, rank us, and listen to us on all the podcast platforms out there. I want to thank Carolyn Friend for joining us on Best and Fest. 